0: Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationships, to our kids, to our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going.
1: This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. And in every episode, we will consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. And we'll ask you to share your breadwinning story. Each week I'm joined by Jennifer Owens. She writes about working, wellness, and women, and she founded the Working Mother Research Institute.
0: And I'm joined by Raquel Ellison. She is an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. So this week we are going to talk about, uh, the, the workforce that always surrounds us, but sometimes we don't notice it's a, it's an, it's a group that sometimes hides in plain sight and it's the, the women of the working class of the hourly workers. Um, I saw a stat that said that women uh, make up half the workforce, but they represent nearly two thirds in the 40 lowest paying jobs. And then you, you, you filter for women of color and that number goes way up. And so now at the at working mother uh, for a couple of years, we did a best companies for hourly workers and you know you, you really certainly there are some some issues concerns benefits that are should be the same for us all, and good and bad you know that 's not surprising, but it really is it 's a different world um, mm-hmm. it and we had to ask a lot of different questions and so the this report from the national women 's Law Center. Uh, you know, wow, surprise, surprise that women who are in the 40 lowest paying jobs are already struggling. And that, uh, these are the jobs that are in food service and healthcare and retail that even when they're working, they still struggle to remain above the poverty line, which is just, it's just crazy. Yeah. And so now, now we have unemployment just you know decimating our economy, and we see that sixty percent of the jobs, seven hundred thousand jobs eliminated just last month, they belong to women, and because a lot of the service industry, hospitality, travel, and retail are getting hit by unemployment. I'm sorry to depress us right off. Uh,
1: no, I <laughs> mean it's you know I think I think the wave of job losses that we're seeing, I mean just like everything about this pandemic, it's it's so it shocks us to our core and yeah, the hourly worker, the hourly workers and the, it just, it's just so hard to get, to get our head around how we're going to make society work from here. Um, yeah. You know, one of the factors though, that I, that I think is unfortunately not surprising to me, but, but the definitely factors in here is about seniority, women's seniority, right? So hmm. we saw that at least, of the Economic Policy Institute talked to NPR recently. Um, and she said that labor market discrimination has led to disproportionate shares of women in jobs that may be more subject to to job loss. So they're less likely to be managers. who And the managers are more likely to not be fired in this. That is you know. crazy. So, is that crazy? <laughs> I mean, as someone who's
0: been laid off at least twice I mean some of it just things just fell apart does that count as a layoff I don't know but isn't that true the managers always find a way and yet I was a manager and I still got laid off once
1: (laughs) right I mean I don't think you know I think as I understand it now businesses are just trying to I I think they're building the plane while they're flying it and so they're trying to figure out who's most and I'm I'm speaking for them, this is my my opinion, but, like, who they feel is most expendable, quote-unquote, or who they feel like they can, and they, unfortunately, and then this is who they're looking at. Um,
0: And who they can find again, you know, with the hope that it, it, right, like, oh, can I find housekeepers again, or can I find the woman who is running all of the housekeepers?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing we're we're talking about We're talking about kind of companies who employ them, but like so much of hourly work is about caretaking, Um, you know, in an individual, like in the home, we're talking about nannies and house cleaners. And, you know, someone was telling me that, you know, we've heard stories about people who are paying their house cleaners not to come. I was talking to a friend the other day who, whose house cleaner has, um, who's been with, who they've been working with for years, um, has breast cancer. And so she cannot work at all because her, her health would be at risk. But there's so many, but my point is like, there's so many different, um,
0: caregiving jobs, caregiving
1: yeah. jobs and areas, um, where people, yeah, where people are, are being hit hard and, and fighting themselves without work and without income.
0: Well, they said, um, so we're looking at this, uh, this is, this, Fair warning, this is a highly numbered episode we're doing here, but a fact, which I love because it's the economics and it's the facts. Uh, So they're looking at um, that the most disadvantaged workers, those with less than a high school education, had their unemployment peak at 15.6% during the Great Recession. And right now, it's 41% of hourly service workers have lost their jobs in a matter of weeks, according to the study they were doing. So they, they were talking to hourly workers with young children to try to figure out, you know, is it as bad as we think? And they said, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you for asking. It's terrible. Uh, and so they said they saw great declines in mental health, which to go sideways from this, you know, a study we did on uh, midlife women's health. Uh, and looking at all things, we were looking at physical, sexual health, mental health. It, it was amazing the gap uh, for people who had insurance, health insurance, and who don't have a health insurance, just the impact it has on our mental health. And so, you, you know, if you don't have a job, for sure you don't have um, health care or, you know, you're going into the public health care system. Um, so that tied with no income and you're not sure what the future are? Yeah, for sure. It's going to impact your mental health.
1: I mean, you know, we, of course, there's no question. There was a study that I was just looking at um, from this company called Ginger, um, which focuses on mental health, I think, from a pharmaceutical perspective. But they they did this research um, in the beginning of April, and they said um, that 63% of folks who they surveyed have never felt this stressed or this you know, this wow. pressure and panic in their career at any other point. doesn't matter, like 9-11, not this much. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there were other pieces, but. On terrifying. A, on, but yeah. Right. And so, um, and then they're saying that 88% said that over the past four to six weeks, they've, you know, their levels of stress have been extreme. And those are the people working now who still have jobs or who had jobs when they were surveyed. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really, it's mind boggling. And then, I mean, it, you know, one of the pieces we're saying that that data is about people who are, I think those with all, all the data covered in that survey, everyone who was um, laid off. Yeah. No, I mean, they, they, uh, they were all full-time employees with benefits that was not, right? So that's, again, those are people getting paid, still have jobs, have benefits. Um, And we're talking about, we're talking about, you know, people who might, not only are they being paid hourly without, um, you know, without the, without the benefits to, you know, around health that they need. Um, There's new analysis that Tara Dawson McGinnis and Gabriel Zucker of New America, we love New America, um, their public interest technology program. And they found that at least 36% of essential workers who report to work every day, that's 13 million workers, earn less than $15 an hour. I, I mean, it, yeah. So then when we're looking at Women and people of color who are, you know, overrepresented in interest, industries that we think are, think of as essential. And you were saying this before food, retail, delivery, transportation. Um, they are, they make up 54% and 33% per, uh, respectively of underpaid essential workers. Um, So, you know, one of the things that those two researchers pointed out was that the workers are risking their lives daily to keep the country running, but they're the people who are marginalized the most and whose needs are consistently neglected. And, you know, I think, I think there's a big question here, you know, how do we solve how, how, what is the answer? Because we cannot continue, you know, we can't continue to go forward with, without those functions, we depend on those functions, um, you know. And, and there are some great advocates. Our friend um, Julie Cashin wrote uh, wrote some, something. I love her title: "Fear and Hoarding in the Time huh. of Coronavirus." Yeah. Invest in childcare, not private jets. Like you know, we 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 need to be thinking about how um, you know how to lobby for how to how how to to advocate for changes that are going to really address the needs of those marginalized people. Right. Right. Um, In addition to, to other pieces. So I I just, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. One of the things we looked at um, the weird rock and a hard place of doing the best companies for hourly workers was talking about benefits and public benefits. And this is, this is going to sound crazy, but we, had to ask, are you helping your employees? Like, so so these are companies that had like 80% or higher workforces that were hourly workers and um, primarily in, you know, retail service industries like um, running cafeterias and and the like. Um, But do you help them navigate public benefits like Medicaid and the like? And We had in talking, like there were companies that don't and then leave these poor folks who need these benefits to live to to go figure it out on their own. And so now you're making it so it's a good thing that you're offering assistance to help them navigate that. It's just and that's the rock and the hard place. So. In doing like trying to figure out what's a be- good best practice in reality, you know, a lot of that stuff that we were doing, we wanted to know what was happening now. But that's ridiculous. That's not good. No, it's it's not good. But that said, we're looking at what that kind of kind of fact report was talking about one of the best ways that we can help this particular layer of our economy. Right now, that's struggling and out of work is is get these public benefits to them. It's it, see, it's a rock in the hard place. The, mm-hmm. the the it would be better if they worked and they had benefits and everything that they need. Okay, we know that. Side right. side, what do they need today? And what they need today is uh, only forty five percent of those who have been laid off have applied for unemployment insurance. Is that because you don't have access to a computer? You know, you know, like what? Like it's there are real roadblocks to getting. The, the the supports that do exist for you. Absolutely. And it's crazy. No, I yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Just I actually for the first time in our our doing this podcast,
1: I actually tissed. <laughs> <laughs> I am so annoyed. No, tissed. I mean yeah. you know, it's it's, well, look
0: at that stat. The only 4% of those yeah. who have been laid off have received any unemployment insurance despite the waiting period having been waived. So they're going out, they, um, the researchers uh, went out and, and surveyed this group and uh, and found, no, they're not, they not only are 45%, they haven't even done it, but those who have been laid off, you know, haven't even gotten the unemployment insurance that they should get. Yeah. So um, I, only 11% have picked up a grab and go meal at a public school. I have and, seen those.
1: They, I'm yeah. seeing um, a lot of the public schools here in Providence have set up, um, you know, have set up meal pickup. Um, yeah, here too. And every, every kid in the Providence public school got a, got an EBT card. My son oh, got a, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I have to say, I miss new york like crazy but i will give our governor a lot of credit and our mayor credit i think they're really trying to support um support people during this time um yes, but yes. you know I, I, th- I think
0: new york city is too i and oh, i yeah, think for sure this, talking about these public supports that have not reached these families yet i it's it's communication it's like access to the digital you know all this stuff is online and and making getting through on phone call, like it's, oh, some of it is not because They don't, but oh, the EBT cards are—that's cool because you're literally putting the benefit in their hands. Yeah, yeah, that's that's smart.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it'll it'll
0: uninformed as I am on how EBT programs work, it does seem like to put them in in your hand is one way to make sure you know that those benefits you know are physically accessible.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean. I think I think that's great. I mean, I think you know when you look at some of the other stats from 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 the study that we're t- from Econafact, we t- you know only one percent have accessed emergency child care. Only fifty yeah. percent of families with school age with a school age child have received promised distance learning, and only fifty one percent currently receive SNAP, so um, food stamps. And again, I don't know the EBT relationship to SNAP to SNAP. Right. But what's interesting is, you know, my son, um, my son is on Zoom calls every morning. And, mm. you know, there's a really, it's a very diverse, um, it's racially diverse, it's economically diverse. It's diverse. In his class. In yeah. his class. And you kind of look at who has a parent sitting next to them and who, who doesn't? Who, like, is it possible Ooh. that some of these kids are sitting there by themselves? You know, and I'm I'm not saying that in a like. Yeah, how, yeah. How but then, like we- what? How, how? What do they need
0: to? uh Can they figure out the tech on their own? You know, are they? You know, they might be like concentrating better if they don't have a parent next to them.
1: Right. I mean, but seven-year-olds, you know, I. Oh, I, seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's. If only one percent are accessing emergency child care because where's where's that money gonna come from for emergency child care when they all when like we all need it it's it's just um it just the math doesn't add up yeah,
0: it's it's difficult and it's like are you working? Are you uh, not working if you're an essential worker, uh can you sit next to your child while they're doing uh, second grade? uh, distance learning, you know, like right. I, it's, it's, it's a lot. And those essential workers are a lot of the people we're talking about in this episode yep. and the supports we have for them and the like, um, which, you know, I, are they doing this in Rhode Island? Like they do here. We cheer at seven o'clock every night to for the,
1: you know, uh, healthcare workers. we, um, well, Or at least we're not doing it. Um, I, you know, again, I think it's, we are, there's a lot of efforts to kind of like put signs up and, um, you know, make essential workers feel um, that their work is appreciated. You know, one of the assignments at my son's school was to create like a, like a thank you rock on the front porch, Um, you know, like to paint it and, you know, and we have signs in the window thanking them. But no, I mean... I have not heard of that <laughs> happening. But, you know, I was saying to you, I live across the street from a um, from a center for uh, specifically addressing children and young adults with um, with severe autism, and you know, right now that facility is obviously closed. But even before we got to this point. Um, you know, of the pandemic, there were, there were been a lot of protests uh to raise the minimum wage for workers there. And they, you know, they have a union and they're trying, they're trying to do that. And right now, um, you know, on our block yesterday, we had cars with, you know, proce- protest signs circling around beeping, beeping, beeping. And it was funny because our friend next door who turned seven yesterday kind of thought it was for his birthday a little bit he was like why are they passing and oh and then they have these signs on their windows no I mean he's a he he, his parents explained it but you know they're 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 driving around um really trying to get their voices heard (laughs) what (laughs) don't pick up the rock (laughs) yeah but they're trying to get their voices heard and I think um yeah and I think yeah, it's just, it's a time where I just, as they were driving around, I was just thinking about, I mean, these are very, very skilled people yeah. who, um, who, and to think about the challenge. With a calling. Yeah, with a calling. And to think about the challenges that, you know, my children do not have, you know, are not autistic and, and, you know, I, I'm struggling without. You know, without any real special needs to to help them through the through the homeschool experience, yep. I can't imagine what it's like for families. And you know, and and these teachers, these you know, these milieu therapists are more needed than ever. So it's it's yeah. just it's it's just shocking that that we that we're that we need to fight for this for them. But um, right, you know, so maybe and it's, we're we we're uh, talking about it now. You know, like yeah. it, I mean,
0: people. There have you know they their unions for one and folks and and the people who support you know the actual employees they've been talking about this forever. I mean we're you know this is not new that uh, our teachers aren't paid enough. Our you know those forty lowest paying jobs mm-hmm. wipe them out and see how we run that yeah. way. I you yeah. know we could you know it and we all know it. Um, but that man you know if you try to find silver linings of this horrific thing we're living through that, man, can we remember this? Can we remember how mm-hmm. essential these essential workers are for us? And, and set our budgets up our public budgets, because, you know, some of them, it's, you know, it's school teachers, those are public funds. Um, the custodial staffs, public funds, I, just starting at the schools, a lot of the hospital systems that are public hospital systems, and then move into the for-profit that we can set these budgets up so these people who we we called essential mm-hmm. for months yeah. are paid commensurate to how essential they really are. Is that something we can... Can we, can we
1: all agree on that, I guess? Yeah. I mean, you know, we've we definitely... It's an uphill battle. Um, Yeah. It's an uphill battle. Um, Yeah. You know, and I think... (laughs) And? (laughs) and What's at the top? (laughs) Can you tell us? (laughs) Let's solve that. You know, know. I do
0: enjoy our conversations where we solve it for everyone. So thank you, everyone. (laughs) You know... (laughs) We've
1: solved it. I mean... You, we,
0: know. you can reach up higher when you're on your soapbox. So I'm up very high, and I can reach it, and I will. I will find the answer. It's yeah. in the top of my closet that I'm recording in right now.
1: I'm sure the answer's <laughs> up there. I'm sitting. I'm sitting on a a small, a small chair that says my son's name Soap on box. it. So it's, it's, it's definitely. You know, I think. You know, I will. And I will say um, again. So Julie Cashin writes from the um, yes the Century Foundation TCF, yes. and they talk about in one of their articles you know states are stepping up uh states are stepping up with emergency child care solutions for frontline essential personnel in response to covid but they talk about you know when there so far there's been 3.5 billion that's been invested in the child care development block grant, but that there need to be six other issues that are prioritized, um, in the States. One is covering the cost of childcare for all frontline workers, um, and additional expenses that providers are incurring right now. We're talking about, um, you know, giving existing programs, home-based center, you know, center-based home-based programs, um, the option to stay open to, to serve emergency personnel and, you know, and, and, and keep them open for, for folks to be able to use that as a resource. Um, you know, talking about paying childcare workers who are working, you know, premium pay on top of their base pay and giving them paid sick days and paid family leave. I mean, how are we not, how are we putting these people in essential roles and we don't, you know, and yes. they're being exposed every day, and they don't have, um, you know, they don't it's, have the paid yeah. leave. So, you know, um, making sure that childcare workers have safety equipment and that they're they're as safe as they can be. You know, making sure that um, that folks can can uh there's an article that that i that was before covid that I want to share about this but you know giving it's not just you know nine to five or eight to seven or whatever it is that people right. need this kind of child care they need overnight care at this point you know kids yep. kids need it and then you know making sure that like I said the place across the street um that serves autistic population you know if there are children with disabilities if there's specific needs of infants and toddlers like like that there has to be policy um change to address their needs, right? <laughs> like it Yeah.
0: So it's not just pay we're talking about here. You know the support, you know, that you have the stuff that you need to go out and be essential as a breadwinner.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well. well, yes, we have solved it this week.
0: Yes. So so, so thank you for joining us as we solved this, this yet another problem in our world. <laughs> thank you for joining us today on The Breadwinners, whether you're a chance or a choice or an essential breadwinner. We hope you enjoyed the time you spent with us and that you'll share your own story at com. How are
1: you making it work? We'd love to know. Absolutely. We see you and we're so grateful for you for all of you and the work that we're all doing. So please remember if you can to subscribe to our podcast, Um, we want to bring you into, to this conversation that we're having about what it, what it means to be breadwinners in the here and now. So subscribe to our podcast, rate and review it. Let us know what you think about the breadwinners. Help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling.